This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, We're glad you're here. If you're joining us for now part two of Resilient, we started it last week and we looked at the word resilient. It just means to withstand or bounce back from difficult circumstances, to withstand or bounce back Last week, we looked specifically at bouncing back from difficult conversations, and we talked about how to bounce back from insults, and today, we're talking about disagreements and conflict. Who's in the middle of one right now? Would you raise your hand? Like, I mean, right now, there's a big disagreement. You've had one in the last year. Let me just see your hands. Uh, uh, Someone in your household doesn't share all of your opinions. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Listen, you have opinions. You're surrounded by family and friends who have opinions. You scroll past experts online who have opinions. You actually go in town and visit with professionals who have degrees in it, and they have opinions. So we all all are surrounded by opinions. So there's going to be disagreements. We're talking today about sparring a few rounds. The word sparring, it's very, very specific for this message because you've seen it in just about every boxing movie you've watched. In the gym, there's a ring... And everybody's doing their workout around the ring. You got the speed bag, you got the heavy bag. And, you know, two guys will be going at it, sparring in the ring. And they got the headgear on because the point of sparring is not to knock the other person out. That's a prize fight. In the sparring, you're getting down your technique and your feet work, footwork and all that. You're taking care of all of that. And yet you've seen in the movies where the sparring gets out of control. And... Like, it, it's more than it's supposed to be, and everybody in the gym stops and looks. We see it in the classic movie, Rocky V. I always pause there to see if you actually believe it's a classic movie. And I think you do by your response, because some people would... They laughed at that at our first gathering, so they didn't think it was... But remember the issue with Tommy Gunn and Rocky's ringside? And Tommy Gunn gets out of control. And he's, he's taking sparring too far. And what does Rocky say? What's the matter with you? And, you, and I know, I worked on that all week. And, and some of you are like, that's the worst Rocky impersonation I've ever heard in my life. And if you do it again, I'm going to stab you in the neck with a fork. Listen. And then what does he say? You're not right in the head. What's he saying? We see it. You see it in these movies all the time. You're bringing outside relationships into the ring right now. You're bringing past hurts, maybe fears and frustrations into the ring right now. And you're, you're doing more than this is supposed to be. Today we want to look at how many of you have allowed yourself to be knocked out, maybe knocked out of the game over a disagreement or over a conflict. And yes, maybe you've had to quit a job over a disagreement or a conflict. You've had to walk away from a relationship or you've even had to leave a church. But hopefully it doesn't change anything about your commitment to the Lord, because that's what we're talking about today with resilience, is that you're able to withstand even conflict and bounce back from it and not allow it to take you out for the rest of your life or for a long period of time. And here's what we're going to see today in Acts 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 15, and we're going to look at this sharp disagreement, this dispute between Paul and Barnabas. I was reading Chuck Swindoll's biography this week on Paul, and chapter 12 has my favorite title in the book, and it's simply this, The Day Two Missionaries Duked It Out. And that's what we're going to look at at the end of Acts 15 today. But here's, here's what we're going to learn through this great text. Mature believers will disagree and have conflict, 
But we must never go for the knockout blow. We're going to disagree. And in this church, we disagree plenty. Over the last few years, we've had a lot of disagreements over things like viruses and vaccines and masks and PPP and PPE. I forget all the letters we have fought over over the last couple of years. But listen, we can have disagreement and conflict, but I should never have in my heart as a follower of Jesus, and you should never have in your heart as a follower of Jesus, to take another follower of Jesus out. But our, our whew, it's, it's getting... It's, it's elevated today. This, today, as we go through this, we want to think sparring, not prize fight. Sparring, not prize fight. And here's for me, this is what I've asked the Lord to work on with me all week. I can disagree with you without questioning your commitment to the Lord. And as followers of Jesus, we need to get better at disagreeing with one another without calling another's character into question without calling their faith into question. And, and you, you, we talk about this quite a bit, but you know, you know you're getting played online, right? Like, they're, they're, the, your algorithm is picking fights with you every day. Like, they're sending people your way to practice everything we're talking about today. Give you an example. I bought this shirt last year because of my algorithm. <laughs> no lie. I, I follow on Instagram. I follow the Big Green Egg, all these people that use the Big Green Egg, I'm almost 50, and you know what that means. I'm supposed to be getting into World War II history and smoking meats. That's the whole thing when you get, when you get 50. And so I'm doing it, and I'm following all that, and I'm, I, I follow Orvis and, uh, you know, Patagonia, all these places. So it's kind of my algorithm. This ad came, and it was bombarding me all week that this poncho shirt is the perfect shirt for grilling. And I thought, huh, I don't have a shirt for grilling. I got it, and I bought it. I, I rocked the stinking shirt. It had me, and I got it. And, and you know what I found out after a couple of grilling sessions with it? It's a lot like my other shirts. And some of you are like, we're in the Ozarks. You don't need a shirt when you're grilling, Ted. You're supposed to rip the shirt off. I don't want to be offensive to my guest. Some of you in here right now are wearing fishing shirts, and guess what? You ain't fishing. But I, I got it out of the closet today. I haven't worn this for a year because I'm almost embarrassed by it, but I'm going to see if it works for preaching. <laughs> and you know what? This, you're getting played. You know that, right? Don't laugh at me because you're getting played too. You're getting played by all these ads and sponsored this and sponsored that that hits you, and it works you up, and you go toe-to-toe with other believers. Princeton University released a study in 2021, and I got to be honest with you, I laugh at studies. I know some of you are passionate about research and all of that, but I think millions of dollars are wasted coming to conclusions I could have given you. <laughs> like they do these long studies, spend millions of dollars, and you're like, that's what you came up with? Princeton University did a long study, spent, and I, I was blown away. This was the conclusion they released in 2021 from their study, and this is it. Disagreements are just a normal part of life. Boy, I wish they would have sent Woodland Hills a million dollars and let me tell them that. But, but I did, I read it, you know, it was on, uh, and I read it and it said that, that one of the examples they use is just on the trivial stuff that we get knocked out with. And the president of New Zealand just posted that he loved pineapple pizza. And people reacted. People questioned his character, his sanity, and his fitness for office. I hate pineapple pizza, but I ain't going to question your character over it. 
The president of Iceland came on and said, if I had my way, I would outlaw pineapple pizza in Iceland. Right? Disagreements are just a normal part of life. And we've never sung this hymn, but I've asked Katie to include it maybe in the next couple of weeks, and it goes like this. To dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's a different story. (laughs) You and I are going to have times where we disagree and even duke it out. And we should be able to do that without calling one another's character, competency, calling into question. And I love this great story that we dive into today in Acts chapter 15, verses 35 through 41. We read about Paul and Barnabas, and we're going to do a couple things today. We're going to look at several observations about their relationship and about who they are individually, and then we're going to make some lessons uh, and look at some lessons for all of us as we go through this. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Stop right there because that's the invitation. And we're going to see today that both Paul and Barnabas are on the same page with that. Yes, let's go back and visit those we visited on our first missionary journey. So I'm going to give you some homework for this week. It's very important that you do this homework for next week because next week's message is called throwing in the towel. And we've all been there where we want to throw in the towel. And what I want you to do is commit to me this week that you are going to study Acts chapter 13, 14, and 15. Everything leading up to what we're looking at today. But I don't want you to just read it like you're like, what are are we, back in school? I want you to download this map. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to Google this week Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. And you're going to see all different maps. Download the black and white ones so you can take notes like I did this week. And as you start in chapter 13, just work your way through that journey. And you're, it's, going to, it's going to help you for next week. And it's going to be a more fun message for you, more engaged message for you, because you will have done the homework and see the journey that they took to get to where we are today. What's important for today's text is that Paul and Barnabas set sail on the first missionary journey, and their first stop was Cyprus. And here we read this, just this quick little line, that John Mark helped them there. From there, they moved on to Pamphylia, and in Pamphylia, just another quick little line, it says, John Mark left them there, and he did not continue in the journey. As you continue to read, you know what you're going to read? Mistreatment, abuse, persecution, Plots against Paul and Barnabas to stone them. They fled one city because of it. Get to the next city. And what happens? Paul's actually stoned. They thought, and by the way, when I say stoned, I have to remember that. (laughs) Literally, stones picked up and thrown at him. Not a dispensary that he visited. I just realized, people brand new to studying the Bible. He He was stoned, and everybody thought he was dead. They dragged him outside of the city. The disciples gathered around him, and he came back too. What What would you do? If you were stoned and brand, <laughs> I just <laughs> this is going to be on a clip. Uh, if someone tried to take your life and thought they achieved it and dragged you to Nixa, would you get back up and come to Branson? I think I'd head on to Springfield. You know what the Bible says, and this is why we're looking at it. It's just the perfect example for resilience. Paul got up and went right back into the city. 
and then moved on from there. And the hardship and the persecution and the mistreatment and the abuse, he had every reason to throw in the towel, and he didn't. That's next week. I'm getting too far ahead of this. I just want you to see Paul, Barnabas, John, Mark. They move on here. So what I want you to do is download this map and just take notes. It's fun. It's a great way. And you'll remember all the notes you put down if you have that image in your mind as you go through chapters 13 through 15. And so what Paul has now said to Barnabas, let's go back. After they've been teaching and preaching in Antioch, he said, let's go back and visit all the believers. Think about that. He now wants to go back and visit where he knows he's under threat at, at all times for his life. He says, let's go back and encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's where the conflict comes in. They're both going to go and take a trip, but in verse 37 we read, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, that's why we call him John Mark, and this is a relative of his, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So the debate becomes, should we take him and give him a second chance? Or Paul saying, listen, what we're going to experience, it could be a whole lot worse than what we experienced the first time. We may not get as far this next time. I need a reliable person with me on this mission. Ask any veteran in this room, and he will tell you, she will tell you, I am not going off to that foreign field with someone I can't trust. I'm not getting in a foxhole with someone who, as soon as it gets rough, they're gone. That was Paul's take. Barnabas was like, let's, let's give him another chance because we all grow and we all mature. Proverbs 25 19 comes to mind, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Like chewing on this side of your mouth because you, this side closed down months ago. It's trying to run with a lame foot or a sprained ankle. That's what it's like when you go into battle with someone you don't know for sure they're going to be there when it really gets bad. So that's the dispute. We, we read more as we go through this text. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Now watch what happens. Because remember, the original request is, let's go back and visit the churches that were established. Let's go back and uh, strengthen the brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's exactly what happens. They just don't do it together. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's go back to that map for a second. This is why you're like, this is why we have this on the back of our Bibles. Yes, this is it. Because I just want you to see the original request with Paul was, let's go visit. Let's go strengthen. And it happened. And through division, God multiplied. And now you had a team of two going this way and a team of two going that way. And the work still went on. So what, let's make some observations about this text so that we don't take it too far. Number one, Paul and Barnabas were both committed believers. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't go to that church because they just had a big conflict and I think churches should be, if they love Jesus, they'll be conflict free. <laughs> Chuck Swindoll in his book on Paul says this about committed believers. Imagine two statesmen-like men, mature, gifted, godly, sincere, battle-scarred missionaries, standing toe-to-toe in a heated argument. I don't know what your picture of, of a missionary is in your mind. I think sometimes in America, we think we send people to 
you know, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, Indonesia, Haiti. And, and the primary role of a missionary is to pray the, the first half of the day and walk the streets preaching the second half of the day. You understand how much strategy is involved in missions work? You know how much strategy is involved with limited resources? And a lot of times we send a missionary to the foreign field. They meet a missionary who's already there, and maybe they're being sent to take the place of a missionary, or they're joining another team of missionaries. Guess what? They have limited resources, limited time. They could plant a church there. They could plant a church there. They could start a feeding center there. They could buy land there to start a feeding center. Decisions have to be made, and guess what? They're going to disagree. And it doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong. So what we have to see first and foremost in the story, Paul and Barnabas, both committed, mature, solid believers. Number two, we read, Paul and Barnabas shared the same message. Now, when you get to your reading this week in Acts chapter 15, you're going to see that after they got back from the first missionary journey, they went to the Jerusalem council. There was a big debate in this day that said, Jews were saying for Gentiles to be brought in and to be believers in Christ Jesus, they needed to be circumcised. So the Jerusalem council was all about settling that debate. They settled it. Acts 15, 11, we read, do they need to be circumcised? No. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. You know, Paul and Barnabas, think about it. Before they get to this dispute... They're involved in another dispute where they're both on the same page. They both solidly agree to salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They're on the same page. They have the same message. This letter is sent back. I've heard comedians share this all the time. Could you imagine receiving this letter the day after you were circumcised? Like, yeah, I got circumcised yesterday, I finally did it. Well, they're saying now you don't have to be. What? How slow was that delivery, man? So they are committed believers, they share the same message. And then this letter that goes back to the believers telling them, no, 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 salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. With third observation on Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas both risked their lives together for the name of Jesus. They both were together in some very dangerous situations. Again, second thing you need to ask a veteran this week, tell me about the bond that was formed between you and another soldier when you risked your lives together. They'll tell you it's a bond that's unbreakable. They'll tell you it, it is one that you know this is a reliable, but we, we both were under the threat of death. We read this in the letter, and you'll read it this week in your studies. I don't want to give too much away before next week, but Acts 15, 25 through 26. So we all agreed to choose some men, this is in the letter, and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're committed believers. They share the exact same message by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They risk their lives together. And here's the part we need to understand, and I don't know, if everyone's going to agree with this, but I hope you read it for yourself in Scripture this week, Paul and Barnabas, final observation, both had valid arguments. They both had valid arguments. You can see it from both sides. And here's the big question between Paul and Barnabas. Is it relationship or mission? Relationship or agenda? When Amy and Carson and I landed in Nairobi, Kenya uh, last month, uh, I mean, it, it, traveling internationally is a lot of work. I have passport issues. I get stopped by Border Patrol in America all the time. I have some flag on Homeland Security. I've done nothing. Uh, 
Uh, just so you're not like, what's going on? Anyway, uh, I've done nothing. I brought nothing illegal into the country. I've never traveled with more money than so. But for some reason, I'm so I'm, I'm pretty serious when I'm in an airport, and especially in a foreign country where, again, I told you I'm not built for prison in any nation. <laughs> and and I, I remember going up to the desk because you know we came out on one flight, had to go on another one. So I I go rushing up to the, rushing up to the desk, and this lady, she's in a red pantsuit, so professional, had the scarf tied to the side. She's standing there like, wait, there's no one in line. And I have all three of our passports. And I go running up to the thing, I hand them to her, and I go, kind of hands were on the next side, blah, 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 blah. And she takes the passports out of my hand, sets them on the desk behind her, comes back to this position and goes, good morning, sir, how are you? <laughs> and I just, I'm just, I, was, I wasn't ready for it. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't get that treatment a lot in the U.S., TSA doesn't, hey, we're so good. Why are you? Come on in. See, get your bags on there. Take your time. We're not, right? I don't get this. So I was all agenda. And then we had this lovely conversation. I don't know if she's, you know, seeing and checking. I don't have no idea what's going on, but it was a wonderful conversation. Then she checked us in and we go, first missionary we're with in Kenya. I tell her that story and she goes, well, you need to know, Ted, in Kenya, relationship always trumps agenda. It's always relationship. And so in this, and Amy and I talk about this all the time because Amy, you know, leads our staff meetings here at Woodland Hills. And I love being with our staff on Tuesday mornings, and I am all about fellowship, relationship. Let's have fun. Amy sends an agenda out that morning. I'm like, well, it's just kind of a guide. I know we got stuff to do, but let's make sure we fellowship. I'm not wrong, and Amy's not wrong. But some of you have been at work, and, and you got that person that just wants to have fun all the time. And, you know, if we have, we're close as a company, we'll be more productive. And you're like, we got to get work done. So at this point in the story, how many of you are, let's get the job done. Raise your hand. Let me just see. Look at all your business owners out there right now. Those are all the owners. How many of you are like, relationship trumps whatever we need to get done? Those are our retired people. Yeah, see how it works? <laughs> it all determines on your season of life. If you feel a tension in this story, you're like, you know what? The gospel going to the ends of the earth, we're called to that. Yes. And it is all about relationships. Yes. I do not believe, and I don't believe, listen, here's the key in this text. Luke, writing this, does not assign blame. You are not forced to pick a side in this story. You shouldn't. If you have the tension, I would encourage you, live with it. Live with it. It's a good tension to have in your life. A.T. Robertson, scholar, he says this, one's judgment may go with Paul, but one's heart goes with Barnabas. Just live in that tension. Two committed believers in Christ Jesus, sharing the same message, they risk their lives together. They both make valid arguments. Ministry is divided, but then multiplied. What are our lessons out of this? We've made all of those observations. Oh, so many lessons. Number One, disagreements may change a relationship. You may quit a job. Yes, you may um, leave a church. You may end a friendship. But there is no need to question the other person's calling, competency, or character. We're We're not called to do that. I don't need to do that. I mean, there may be issues like this, but if we're just having a disagreement over something non essential, and and this happened so much during the pandemic, people were actually questioning the faith of believers of leaders because of a non-essential, outside of Scripture issue. We have to be careful. I, uh, in my senior year of college at Liberty University, I led a missions trip to Mexico with about 13 Liberty students. 
And I was in charge of the trip, and Amy, we were dating at the time. We, were, we wouldn't be engaged for another few months. It was over spring break. She was on the trip as well, and we committed. We were going to be in country five days, and we committed to the missionary. They had studded out two classrooms and a bathroom, but they needed it drywalled, mudded, and painted. And again, my brother's a carpenter, and he's in the first gathering laughing at me, going, why were you put in charge of this trip? Uh, but I knew five days, and that's a little tight for unskilled labor, so we worked at it for two days, and I, I know enough about project management to go, ooh, this is going to be tight. There was, a, there was a student on this trip, and I don't want to throw him under the bus because we're friends still, and I'm not going to say his name, but Tony Philpot. <laughs> Tony Philpot. I mean, we had our Paul Barnabas moment. I remember getting done with breakfast, going up and getting things organized, and I just, I already started mudding. We had done the drywall, we were mudding. And Tony walks up and goes, Ted, I've been talking to some of the others, and we decided to take the day off. Okay. Well, yeah, we're going to swim, and then we're going to do some shopping in town, and we'll get back to all this. Man, I, I about lost it. And Amy came in on me about ready to go toe-to-toe and duke it out with Tony Philpot, I get your sorry <clears throat> up here. And we're, I mean, I was mad. I was mad because we had committed to this missionary. And, and but I, Tony was the life of the party. Everybody loved Tony. He still is. I know it, Tony. He's a pastor now. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, Tony. You know I'm kidding. But Tony, I mean, I mean, we were going, and that night, I'll never forget sitting up on the roof uh, on these, uh, this old couch that was sitting up on the roof, and Amy comes over, and she goes, that was a rough day. I mean, I could tell you and Tony, you were frustrated with Tony. Man, I start, I'm going into all of it. I'm getting ready to take him back to the airport. He can, I mean, if he doesn't want to get this job done, he's lazy. I mean, I'm just... And that was really Amy and I, it was our first, like, like and I tell my kids all the time, you almost weren't here. <laughs> And it would have been because of Tony Philpot. <laughs> and Amy calmed me down and said, you know, it is about bonding together. She came up to me after the first gathering and she said, uh, isn't it something, Ted, how you and I have switched in 27 years of marriage? I'm now the relationship guy. Let's have fun the church, right? We're just having fun. And she is the agenda one. It's flipped since we've been married. But we can disagree on the way things get done, when they get done, and all of that, without calling any of that into question. This is important, too, because we live in a day where people are overusing the terms toxic and abusive. And I, I want you to know, conflict doesn't necessarily mean the other person is toxic or abusive. You need to know that. If I'm in conflict with you, and you and I are trying to work on a solution... And the desire is to see it from your point of view and you see it from my point of view. And we're really trying to find resolution, reconciliation in the relationship. You need to, you need to save toxic and abusive for, for individuals who are controlling, manipulative, intimidating in their conflict. That's toxicity. That's abusive. But just disagreeing with you. And now I know... People are leaving churches now across the country claiming it's toxic, abusive because they didn't let me do this or they didn't have me do it. And I always want to just dial in more. Was the leader toxic or abusive or did the leader just not agree with you? There is a difference. And not all conflict is toxic or abusive. And it, it may mean someone doesn't agree with you or see it your way or they want to do it your way. Remember, a different way is not necessarily the wrong way. 
Paul and Barnabas can both be right. I think about how that'll set marriages free in here today. If you go home and hear another opinion and you're like, you're right. I'm right. We both are right and we have different opinions. Some of you are like, but it won't solve anything. We got to have a solution. And all this fluffy this and fluffy that. No, listen. You both can have an opinion. You both can be right. Not everything has to be right and wrong when it comes to this non-essential stuff. And here's another one. Serving the Lord, let's talk about it specifically for the church. Serving the Lord does not require that we work closely with every believer. Meaning you, there's, you may have to part company and go to the ministry that God has called you to. And we say run. Jimmy Dodd was here a couple of weeks ago and he spoke. And Jimmy Dodd does a lot of chaplaincy work for the Royals and the Chiefs up in Kansas City. And he was sharing with our staff the Monday after he was here he was talking about the Chiefs, and he was talking to a player on the Chiefs, and he said, it just came up. I asked him about another player. I said, what about so-and-so? What's he like? And this guy goes, I have no idea. Jimmy's like, what do you mean you have no idea? I've never talked to him. Jimmy's like, you're on the same team. Yeah, but we don't play the same position. We're in different seasons of life, and it's just there's never a connecting point, and yet we're winning games together, and yet we're winning Super Bowls together. What, what a moment for me, for you to realize, not everybody has to join you in the specific work God has called you to. And actually, if you go run, and I run, and you run, and you run, and you run, and you run, what kind of ministry is getting done? Let's go. Let's get after it. Don't allow a disagreement. Or so, Another way of putting it, let's say this. Don't be offended when a committed believer is not committed to your ministry. Go run. There's different ways to do it. Don't, let it. don't let it knock you out of the game. Don't leave a church going, I couldn't get the pastor to leverage his authority for my event. I, and people ask me all the time, will you come and do this for me at this and be a part of this? And I look at them and go, oh, that's awesome. No, I won't. They're like, well, you don't believe in what I'm doing? 100% believe in what you're doing. But you go do it. And then I'll go do this. And then Amy's doing this. And then Carson's doing that. Everybody, we're, we're all doing the work of ministry. And sometimes our paths will cross. And there'll be synergy in that. And we can get things done. But guess what? There's different ways of doing it. You can be committed to another's message. And we all are. Okay? But not their method. I don't know if you... People send me videos all the time of other churches. And, you know, and I, get, I, I, I send a few myself because some... To me, there's some worship services that get pretty, pretty out of control, in my opinion. You know, when you got the tambourine lady, you know, doing this on the front. I, I don't do that for 20 minutes because I don't have the balance. I barely could do it in that demonstration right there. Doesn't make her or him wrong. It doesn't make the... Listen, listen you know, this is a big pet peeve of mine, too. Oh, and some of you here getting schooled on it, but oh, when people tell me there's only one way to preach the Bible and the answer is a big fat no. It is a way, but it's not the only way. There are many, of way, many ways to teach and preach. And just because our methods don't align, our message can. And this is why, that is why, that is why in this town, pastors can be friends because we have so many different ways of doing it, but we share the same message. We're on the same team. Wow, I was, I, in the debrief after the 8.15, we have several moms in there, and they said, I'm sorry, I just kept thinking about the message applied to the way I'm raising my children compared to the way other people are raising their children. 
Are there any moms in here that do it a different way than your sister or your mom did? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. That's okay. Their parents going, no, it's not. They're unruly. <laughs> Grandma's like, they need some discipline. Let me tell you, you're under no obligation to explain or defend your parenting choices. Right? It's a different way. But you have the same desire to raise children who love the Lord and walk with the Lord. Dr. Bob Cook puts it this way. I think this is perfect. God reserves the right to use people who disagree with me. He'll use you, he'll use me, and our different methods. Do not equate another's lack of commitment to your ministry as a lack of character. They're just running in their own lane and doing their own thing. And God will use them and God can use you. But here's what I love in this story. Back to Paul and Barnabas. Don't allow disagreements to cause you to give up on people, ever. Now, most scholars, when you read uh, this story of Paul and Barnabas, would say that Paul reconciled with John Mark. Or could it be this, that Paul knew, because this happens all the time. We're in the church, right? We're not supposed to take new believers and make them elders. Why not? Because they won't make it. The beatings that come against leaders in the church, you have to have some resilience. And a brand new believer, they don't have the theology, they don't have the understanding of Scripture, they don't, they're not prepared. It doesn't mean they'll never be one, they're just, it's just not right now. I think sometimes we overlook this aspect of the story that, that Paul knew what he experienced on the first journey. He knew it was probably going to be intensified on the second journey. And it's like, John Mark is not ready for this. He left us not just on the last journey, early in the last journey, before it really got bad. What's he going to do when it gets bad? We read later in Paul's ministry, and I love this, 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark. I have some things for him to do. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. And you, you may be invited to do something now. You may be invited to do something later you may be invited to participate in something down the road, and somebody may tell you no, but it doesn't mean never. It just means not now. You're not ready for this right now. And, and finally, here's the last lesson uh, from this, because I know deconstruction is a big term uh, today. As, as churches, for whatever reason, are being labeled abusive or toxic or bad theology, people are like, I'm leaving the church, and they deconstruct their faith, and they're going to build it back up from square one. And, and I understand that. We've all deconstructed. I think every person in here is deconstructed. I deconstructed from my independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James Version, only Baptist church. <laughs> and I had to work, wrestle through things, right? Because we weren't allowed to, I wasn't allowed at Little League games to, to chew big league chew baseball gum. Because we had a verse, shun the very appearance of evil. But then at Christmas, we drank Welch's cider that looked just like wine. And I, as a 10-year-old, I'd be like, that doesn't make sense. That looks like chew. This looks like wine. I can do one. I can't do the other. We weren't allowed to go to movies. But when Blockbuster came out, we rented. The Baptists were the first in line to rent movies at Blockbuster. We got a, we got a legit reason now. All right. And I, my mind went, this just doesn't make sense. Why? Because it was man's tradition. It wasn't the Bible. It was man's rules. So I deconstructed. I, I, I'm not worried about the term deconstruction, but let me encourage you on your journey of deconstruction. A disagreement may change your relationship with another person or a church or a job, but it should never change your relationship with the Lord or your commitment to his calling on your life. If a disagreement in the church causes you to walk away from the Lord, that's, that is something you must wrestle with. 
and you need to take before the Lord. And that's really the resilience we seek in every person here and across this campus and watching in, online. That you would be resilient when there's disagreement in the church. That you would be resilient when there's conflict in the church. There's plenty of it. And we're not done with it. It's going to happen. It happens in every church. Label it what you will, but you stay true to God's calling on your life. Next week, we're going to pick up with it. For those who do think, man, I need to leave the church because, listen, remember what we looked at in Hebrews. You've not yet shed blood for the cause of Christ. So keep moving. Keep moving. Paul was stoned and drugged out of a city and then walked right back in. Keep moving. Get back up. Bounce back. And continue to serve the Lord no matter what disagreements and conflicts come your way. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the observations and lessons we have in Paul and Barnabas. Continue to teach us and grow us as we walk out our faith with you and in you and with each other. When disagreements do come up, let us take these lessons to heart. We can divide and conquer. We can do different ministries in different ways, but that we would never walk away from our relationship with you, period. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. We pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...